Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Back to Fundamentals, Energy Aspects, Rundown of Key Energy Markets. Today, we're really looking at the global gas markets and how they've behaved. It's been a really volatile time uh, in, in the market space. And of course, we're getting through the winter, so it's setting up all kinds of prospects and interesting outcomes for the coming summer. Now, with me to, to, to go through all of the ins and outs of the global gas market are two of our most senior gas analysts in our team, uh, James Waddell, who will take us uh, through a lot of the ins and outs of Europe and, and, and LNG, and of course, Dave Sadusky, who's our, one of our North American uh, specialists. Uh, so we've just come through a period where there's been some real, real you know, significant price swings. We've seen the JKM blowout on you know a combination of stuff, but kind of Asian cold uh, freight markets. We've seen uh, the the TTF you know add a lot of value, but kind of start to hang out, maybe soften since then. Um, and really, that TTF you know uh, basis really kind of growing on. I would say a lot of storage uh, being withdrawn uh, on a combination of you know. Uh, Consistent cold with what we saw in, in Northeast Asia, and of course some reasonably soft Russian flows. Now those Russian flows, I think, have really kind of um, got the market questioning: where does Gazprom go? How does it play out? And that, of course, you know, that was one of the hardest things to call for the winter, and I think it remains one of the hardest things to call for the summer. Now, James. Um, what is Gazprom really doing? That's a great question, Trevor. Uh, Russia remains the big wild card for this summer. Uh, and it's interesting how much the market seems to be relaxed about the state of Russian flows. Uh, there has been no intention so far in the capacity auctions for Russia to book any more uh, capacity than the transit agreed with Ukraine under its 2021-2024 uh, agreement of 40 BCM. Uh, if we do get flows at that, very low pace. We're looking at year-on-year uh, -year declines in Russian deliveries. We're looking at uh, really very low supply into the European market. And we've got to remember that we're going into the summer after a cold December, cold early January, some cold on the horizon in February. And so we're going to have quite low storage assets going into uh, the summer, and certainly a lot lower year-on-year. -year. And in order to get back up to a reasonable level of carryout by the end of October, we need either very strong Russian flows, or we need to take a lot of gas out of the power sector in order to balance. Now, Russia, in the, on the one hand, could be uh, engaging in a fairly rational play on its European storage assets. Uh, we know that it went into the winter with around about 8.6, 8.7 BCM of storage in its destination storage sites uh, within Europe. And it has been drawing heavily on these assets over the course of this winter to really replace uh, the low flows that we've been seeing going through Ukraine. The thing is, it can only really do that for around about another month before really it's getting into uh, very low storage levels there. And it tends to use these sites to uh, offset low flows through Nord Stream 1 and Yamal uh, Europe when those go into maintenance in the summer. So at some point, it's going to have to restock. And at some point, we think it's going to have to book more capacity in order to get more gas through Ukraine. The other element of this, of course, is Nord Stream 2 and what's going on with that. Now, uh, the US has uh, toughened sanctions on the project as of the start of this year. We now have uh, 
the certification companies and insurers on the sanction on the potential sanctions list. And of course, uh, the US has put sanctions on the Russian flagged uh, Fortuna pipeline vessel uh, as of uh, January. Now, these Russian vessels are more or less insulated pro- from the project, but there are a lot of European companies still involved. And we think that the toughening of these US sanctions is materially going to either cause further delays or potentially could stop this project. Uh, even if we get this project coming online sometime this year, and, and we really think that given the timelines to, to build the pipeline, it would really be late Q3 uh, going to Q4. Uh, Russia really has to rely on this Ukrainian route. And that's why we think we're going to have to see more capacity and more flows through that route over the summer in order for Europe to uh, balance this year. Yeah, and that's the hard call. When does it start to do and in what volumes does it start to do? But of course, in this higher priced environment, I mean, one of the key things, and this is, you know, uh, we'll probably stick with you for a little bit on this, James, but then go today. But one of the implications of these higher prices, these higher global prices, is probably the ARBs are going to stay open with the, the US, and that means a lot more, you know, LNG on the water. Also, we expect more LNG from a bunch of others who turned down in last year's low prices. That just means more gas supply on the water. How's that going to play out against, you know, that kind of uncertain Russian flow? Well, that's the thing. I mean, when we're looking at the balances over the course of the summer, uh, we're already counting on quite a lot of LNG supply turning up in Europe and big year-on-year gains. In fact, we've got about six or so BCM of LNG uh, coming into the European market that we we didn't have last year, we had all those uh, turn downs on U.S. supply um, really sort of starting to bite uh, strongly from about May onwards and right through the end of uh, the summer. We also had some cu- hurricane impacts on the market, but there was a lot of commercial turn down, and that's around about 17 or so BCM. Uh, of global supply that we expect to hit the water again. The other thing is that with this higher price environment for the TTF, we've also got much better netbacks uh, being offered to the Egyptian uh, exporters. And as such, we're expecting a lot of uh, incremental supply coming from Egypt over the course of the summer, around about four to five uh, million tons of incremental supply year on year. Now that LNG has to find a home and when it's going in uh, to the Asian market, what we're looking at is a reasonable increase in China's pipeline deliveries from Russia through the power of Siberia pipeline. Also expecting a, an uptick in Central Asian pipeline imports. And of course, Chinese production growth has been very strong. Uh, so these factors are going to limit a little bit China's ability to take LNG. Um, we're also expecting quite a big uh, growth in Japan's nuclear availability. Again, pushing a bit out that call on thermal generation and you know that decreasing that demand for LNG. So if Asia isn't going to be taking all of this supply, then that's going to push that towards uh, the market of last resort that is Europe. Now, because we have uh, low inventories starting off in, in the summer, we think that Europe can easily absorb uh, that amount of supply. It's not a situation like we had last year where really the TTF was having to get low enough to really start to uh, discourage the export arbitrage out of the US. Uh, we think there is a place for that US LNG in the European market pretty much throughout the summer. But uh, without the Russian flows, it still doesn't allow us to uh, end the summer with uh, a reasonable storage carrier. Yeah, so 
the market's really kind of poised, I guess, for a lot of a lot more LNG coming back into the market, uh, mostly on 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 those cancellations not happening this year. Uh, but the Henry Hub market still seems a bit nonplussed. If anything, you know, we were looking at um, you know prices above three dollars, you know, for the summer of strip, you know, not so long ago. All of that's kind of now a bit of a you know, a, a vague memory is as the market has softened quite a bit. So, Dave, I mean, you've got that. You've got this high, high demand outlook for the for for the U.S. market, um, and you've also got some concern over you know the kind of Biden administration and its you know its recent uh, federal uh, land drilling ban. So you've got all of those things kind of playing out. How is that all playing out, and where is that weakness coming from in the U.S. market? Yeah, thanks, Trevor. Glad to jump in. I mean, um, basically, you know, the the story for this winter, you know, as you said, has sort of been um, a bit of softening in in terms of Henry Hub prices, um, and a lot of that's based on sort of this this rise in projected um, end March carryout, end October carryout for for next year. You know, it had looked for at the start of the winter like we might be facing a bit of supply scarcity, um, and a lot of that has sort of vanished due to um, in part. Um, rising production, or not rising production, but rather production outperforming expectations by not completely cratering. You know, our pre-winter forecast for lower 48 production was something along the lines of a five and a half BCFD year-on-year loss. Uh, it's coming closer to four BCFD down year-on-year this, thus far this heating season. So that's helped pad inventories. Um, you know, we've also seen a lot of gas uh, added back to inventories based on lower than expected heating demand. So it's been very cold in Asia. Um, you know, that's sort of uh, drawn down some of the global inventories. Um, however, you know. Thus far, um, we've had um, three uh, months that were uh, this winter that were either at the ten-year normal for HDDs or just below it. Um, you know, obviously, weather forecasts uh, will always make you know end March uh, end of season carryouts a bit of a moving target. Um, and forecasts for the first half of February uh, are are quite cold indeed. You know, something like ten percent colder than the ten-year normal. Um, so there's always you know room for for Henry Hub to to rebound. Um, but it's looking like that end March carryout is going to be uh, around 1.6 TCF based on, you know, current weather trends. Um, and, you know, that's sort of uh, really impacted uh, Henry Hub, uh, you know, from from the early parts of the heating season when it looked as though um, we might have a bit of supply scarcity um, and, you know, uh, uh, uh the, the type of tight balances that would support some of those higher Henry Hub prices. Um, it seems as though the issue of supply scarcity, you know, it's not really going to be a problem for, for this winter, but it could be an issue for, for next winter. Um, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, sort of the, the LNG and the, uh, need for a global restocking based on some of that cold, you know, the demand uh, is looking very healthy for for next summer in the U.S. You know, LNG fee gas plays a big part of that. Uh, it's going to run something like close to 90% capacity uh, utilization during the, the injection season from April to uh, October. Um, and that includes, you know, uh, some new capacity from Corpus Christi Train 3, uh, a full summer of commercial ops from, from Cameron and Freeport's tra- uh, third trains, which came online in the middle of last summer. Um, you know, we don't expect any of the economic cancellations. Installations, as, as, as you had mentioned. Um, so we're looking at very strong feed gas growth um, combined with 
you know, uh, strong industrial demand growth, uh, you know, off of the COVID baseline and last year's lockdowns. Um, plus, you know, you're you're also just going to see some some natural growth based on steel prices hitting decadal highs in in January. Um, higher exports to Mexico as as that country also recovers from from lockdowns. Um, so, you know, uh, even with some year on year loss of the power sector next summer, um, you're looking at a tighter summer for for U.S. balances um, and you know a projected end end October 21 carryout of 3.4 TC. Where you could see some supply scarcity next summer or next winter, rather, even if you don't see it necessarily this winter. Okay, um, yeah, lots to, to to chew on there. I guess one of the things as well as you know, just to circle back on that supply, you know, that supply outlook. Um, uh, if you would say kind of associated gas production, if anything, maybe is going to struggle a little bit. So, are we going to get enough dry gas production? You know, given you know, given everything that's happening in the U.S., particularly on the environmental front. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. You know, on the associated side, you're starting to see you know a lot of operators um, signal that capex isn't going to be uh, all that much better in 2021 than it was in 2020. You know, when budgets were obviously slashed by the oil price route. Uh, you know, you're seeing the refrain from uh, several CEOs in the oil sector of "flat is the new growth." You know, uh, not quite a direct quote, but uh, you know, a lot of oil producers are trying to strengthen balance sheets rather than face uh, that rather than sort of race for those additional barrels and and just continuously uh, sort of uh, aim for production growth. Growth. We do see significant growth from the, um, you know, from the dry gas side, particularly Haynesville, which is very price responsive, uh, to sort of help balance that market and, and bring up uh, those inventories. Um, you know, Haynesville obviously is close to that uh, LNG feed gas um, areas and a lot of those liquefaction terminals, uh, and they have a lot of new pipelines coming online. Uh, the Index 99 expansion, uh, CJ Express, um, that are going to to really, you know, help deliver that Haynesville gas right down to the Gulf Coast and feed that that growing demand. Um, you know, also Haynesville rigs have already been rising in H220 and early the early weeks of uh, Q121. Um, that's really going to help, you know, sort of uh, the injection season production from from the Haynesville and sort of help that dry gas meet that um, meet that growth in the short term. Now, you were talking about the the environmental impacts. You know, sort of we've been examining some of the, you know the Biden administration's early executive orders, uh, including their plan to wind down uh, new drilling leases on federal lands uh, as part of you know his campaign pledged and fracking on on federal lands uh, it's unlikely to have that much impact in the short term. So, you know, in terms of the end March uh, 21, obviously, that and, and October 21, you know, we actually really don't see any impact on this until at least H2 uh, 22, uh, so the back half of 2022. Um, so basically, no near-term impacts, um, you know, given that uh, uh, it does not impact um, any operating wells and Producers have actually stockpiled a lot of already approved permits that will run through uh, H222. Um, so you know those those are going to be approved, and they have stockpiled, and they can actually drill those um, through you know to to help um, prop up productions from some of those federal land areas that might actually see you know um, declining production uh, beyond H222 as sort of the the permits run dry. So your, the environmental impacts are sort of more of a, a medium term story than a short term story, but you know. Uh, Certainly, you know, beyond next year, you're talking about new production that's going to need to be replaced, uh, given, you know, you're talking about um, effectively zeroing out uh, some of the, the gas production from the Gulf of Mexico, from large chunks of Wyoming and New Mexico as well. Um, but again, more of a medium term thing. Great. So, I mean, if kind of circling back to that global market, you know, we are looking at a world where, you know, Henry Hub's probably going to be supported in that 250 to $3, you know, 
to getting moved around a little bit, I guess, on weather. Uh, but then, the, so that brings us to the spreads. We expect the arms to stay open, but that still gives us a little bit of, certainly when we're looking at JKM, quite a lot of variability in where those spreads have to be, you know, to close the arm. And one of the key drivers of that volatility in the last few months has been freight. And that freight market, still some pretty high, you know, eye-wateringly high <laughs> prices for the time of year, but they are starting to soften. James, how do we see that market um, evolving in the the next couple of months well we've uh really gone from multi-year lows in the freight market last summer to uh unbelievably high prices over the course of uh this winter and really it's a large function of the lack of liquidity that there is in that uh freight market uh great difficulty of brokers to really put a fair price on uh the on the freight value uh given the almost absence of available vessels for spot charter over the course of recent months. Now, what was driving that was really the very strong interbasin flow that we were seeing. We had Northeast Asia pricing uh, at considerable premiums to the TTF and drawing a lot of US uh, spot supply out of the Atlantic Basin and towards Northeast Asia. And in doing so, it increased the tonnage demand uh, a lot. Now, we have uh, roughly... Uh, sort of a two times greater shipping demand when we're when the US is exporting to Northeast Asia as when it is exporting uh, to the European market. So that pull was really driving up that tonnage demand. And on top of that, we also had uh, a lot of southbound transits through the Panama Canal, and we estimate that ab above around thirty or so southbound. Uh, transits is where you start to get congestion issues. And that means vessels waiting longer. Um, and that's also driving up the freight costs because every day you're paying for uh, your charter and other variable costs. And what we saw um, as a result of that congestion was a lot of vessels then going the long way around, going through uh, the Cape of Good Hope and through the Suez Canal. And that is an additional um, sort of 10, 20 days on top of uh, a voyage. And again, that's driving up that tonnage demand. And because we were so tight amid the cold weather in recent weeks, we had um, a lot of European reloads. And that's one of the longest journeys you can do uh, with vessels. Now, all of that is coming off. We're seasonally going down in terms of Northeast Asian demand. The uh, spreads are much uh, tighter now going over the summer. And actually, for most of the summer, we've got uh, JKM pricing at a very shallow premium to the TTF. And we think that's mostly justified in our balances, as I said, because we're getting that squeeze on demand in Northeast Asia and because we've got a lot of extra supply hitting the water over the summer months. And because of that, what we think is we're going to see uh, a lot of downside pressure. We've already seen these rates coming off fairly sharply uh, over the course of uh, Q1 as we're, uh, you know, as we were expecting. Um, and really, it's there's going to be a, a good amount of pressure. And on top of that, we've also got the overall balance. Now, we're, we're expecting a lot more LNG production this year, and that's because of uh, existing assets producing more in line with uh, their capacity. We've got relatively, relatively slow growth in uh, new capacity being brought on, online this year. And in terms of the number of ships that we're adding to the global fleet to take that LNG away, we're looking at about 52 vessels being added by the end of the year. And of that number, we were expecting about 20 or so vessels to be um, delivered uh, and able to ship LNG by the end of this quarter. So really, there's these two effects really loosening uh, the market, the stop the, the stopping of the interbasin flow and also the number of vessels being added uh, to the global fleet um, over the course of Q1.
Brilliant. Thank you. Well, I think that's probably all we have time for in this current episode of Back to Fundamentals. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. I'd just like to thank my uh, my my two uh, analysts who are with me today, James Woodell and Dave Sadusky, for their inputs. Uh, and we will see you next time uh, on Energy Aspects uh, Back to Fundamentals. Mm-hmm.